0: what's up headbangers welcome to another episode of the talk louder podcast where we geek out on all things rock and roll hit that subscribe button on our youtube channel leave us your likes and comments you can also leave likes and comments on our facebook page follow us on itunes and spotify also instagram at talk louder underscore podcast and of course our website talklouderpodcast.com. i'm metal dave along with my co-host jason mcmaster And today's guest is a San Antonio native, a longtime San Antonio heavy metal scenester, archivist, uh, historian. Uh, His name is Juan Herrera. He's been around forever. He's been at all the shows going back to who knows how long. So much so that uh, about a year, maybe two years ago, he put out a book called As Viewed from the Pit. And it's essentially a full color glossy, uh, I guess you could describe it as a coffee table style photo book uh, that sort of compiles a lot of photos, flyers, little uh, nuggets of information about the San Antonio, South Texas heavy metal scene from the mid 80s. And uh, it's a must have for anybody who remembers or is interested in learning about the South Texas heavy metal scene. Uh, Jason, of course, is a part of that book uh, as the front man from Watchtower. And uh, Jason, you got any words on this book? I, before we I have too many words. The Yeah, it's really I'm well just,
1: done. I'm just thumbing through this, and the photos are, I, I mean, obviously I'm emotionally connected to this book. Yeah. Uh, The, you know, uh, this is my family. There are friends and family. This is, this is my blood and my family. And this is, this is a period of time uh, where I was cutting my teeth as a, as a, as a musician. I was meeting lifelong friends. I was um, learning how to write music. I was learning how to sing. I was learning everything about myself and things i could do and things i couldn't do and i was making good decisions along with bad decisions and and they're all in this book um, <laughs> as viewed from the pit which is which is um, we're going to talk to him about uh... we're going to talk to Juan about uh... his him going back and forth with uh, other people's opinions of the title of the book as viewed from the pit i think that the title is great because it gives you literal perspective through Juan's eyes as yeah. a, just a fan, as a, as someone who's there soaking it all up going, holy shit.
0: I like the title because it's sort of, it, it, intentionally or not, it sort of caters to the fan because if you're in the pit, then you're viewing what's on stage. And that's kind of what the photos capture is the bands on stage. And it speaks to the fandom, if you will, that, yeah. that that made this scene so rabid. It and also he only has... put out 125 copies of this book initially, but he's going to tell us if there's I, – I think we might get an exclusive today. Yeah. So um, you'll want to stay tuned for that and see yeah, if there's there, any there's,
1: more. There's at least two uh, new items uh, on the docket Yes. In today's people People's Court. So Yeah. Uh, so stay tuned for that in in this really awesome episode about this, this, this great book. Now I want to mention, uh, there, there are photos in here of the bands, uh, and band members mingling together from people from different bands. Yeah. Um, offstage as well. It's not just concert footage, you know, photographs from back in the day. It's more, uh, it's From All Sides, which, again, fits the title. Yeah. There, uh, There's a lot of people in this book that are no longer with us, which is another reason that this needs to happen, that things like this really need to happen. Um, uh, I, I feel like Juan is a great sort of conduit and, and champion uh, to want to go through hell to to make something like this happen just so it can sit on the table and people can walk in who don't know and go, what is this? This looks pretty weird. Yeah. What? What is this? And they open it and they're just like, man, who are these people? And if they love rock and roll, they're going to tell by what's going on in the pages here that there was something before them that they should know about.
0: Yeah and and if you're going to do something like this and you're going to get buy-in from the people you need to help you with this you have to have credibility and Juan's got credibility True. in spades so it couldn't have come from a better guy True. uh and I think the outcome speaks for itself it's a great book
1: I remember I remember Juan uh from way back then but very quiet that Juan as opposed <laughs> always, to his buddy wide. Sean Sean Nations was the loud guy and Juan was the guy sort of standing next to him like you know
0: taking it all in. Yeah,
1: that's right. He was yeah. kind of the
0: <laughs> You got to watch the quiet ones.
1: Yeah, the quiet one wasn't like knocking over beer cans. He was the one going mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: One, day he'll yeah. one day he won't do that. And and besides, the, and besides the book, you, you bring up Sean Nations. Juan yeah. is best friends with Sean Nations. And for those listening who don't know, Sean Nations is a uh, heavy metal singer out of San Antonio. He's been part of the San Antonio metal scene forever and still is. Um,
1: he's, he's pretty much staple.
0: Yeah. And the two of them used to actually go down to the local radio station, 99.5 Kiss, and hang out with local uh, legendary DJ, show the godfather anthony so uh we're going to pick his brain a little bit about those experiences as well
1: um so while we've been doing this intro jared has been floating uh, a pictograph if you will a slideshow uh that juan has sent to us and you have probably already seen photos uh, uh of the, the 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 book's cover as well as some uh photos from the book uh as well as some that I don't think are even in the book either. That I felt like I just I just ran through them real quick with my own eyes uh, just before we taped this episode. And there's some things in there that I that I haven't seen. Um, um, some of them were taken after the book's release. Uh, some of them are just kind of candid, funny little moments. But there's a, there's a lot of that in the book too. So just want to make sure those of you who are listening um can also to to know exactly what it is that we're talking about in today's episode you can you can watch the uh youtube uh episode of this this podcast um did you have anything else you want to roll or you want to get right into nah
0: i'm ready to roll let's talk to juan <laughs>
1: so Juan, you're from san antonio tell us a little bit about just growing up in san antonio as it pertains to something that might uh our listeners might hear on a, uh, a a podcast about hard rock and heavy metal
2: well uh she said i grew up here was born here raised here uh grew up in the heavy metal capital of the world uh, as it were there it, um, comes. There it is so that's I mean, what what more is there to say about san antonio uh it's. It was interesting. We had a very diverse city and um, rich music culture, not just metal, but rich music culture. And, um, you know, but everything from metal to jazz to conjunto to a little bit of everything. So um, that's, you know, it was interesting growing up and, and seeing all these different things. And then, um, you know, growing up, Going to shows, you know. Going to my first show was a Van Halen show uh, at the Convention Center Arena. Before that went by the wayside and tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was on Women and Children First.
0: Nice, <laughs> good one. Do you remember so the opening
2: was, act? I don't. I okay. wish I could. <laughs> uh, I think
1: Jared. I think Jared was at that show.
2: But wow. it was um, that was my first, you know, big show, and then that just whetted the appetite and. Went from there, and then I went from, you know, the larger shows, still going to larger shows, to going to the, the local shows, and just diving headfirst into that, and just loving that.
1: Do you remember um, the first, like, local show? Like,
2: the I remember the first one that made an impact on me. Uh, we had gone to shows here and there, but the first one was uh, that Unholy Book Show at the Cameo. Whoa. So it was Watchtower, uh, Death Tripper, um, God, uh, uh, Watchtower Militia. Morbid, Tri- morbid Termination. Morbid Termination. Yep. Yeah. So that was that was the, the first the the one that really you know made an impact. What was, do
1: you rem- what do you remember about that show?
2: I remember just going to a show that was packed, it was sold out.
1: You like um, how I'm trying to, like, like steer away from the fact that I was kind of the uh, master of ceremonies that night? <laughs> <laughs> trying to, like, steer away, like, what are you talking about? Tell us about the show. Like, I wasn't there.
0: Yeah. From your perspective. Was, yeah, it, we want his impression of it. Because yeah, he said yeah, it was it the was first a, show with the most in, the personal impact. So. I, I yeah, love, yeah I it, love,
2: it was. Because it, it was the first heavy show. It was the first real heavy show uh as far as locals you know we've seen rock and roll bands but nothing like this and certainly nothing like like watchtower i mean
1: or or hold term- on hold, or or morbid termination or a fucking death tripper and this that's true i mean and this every, would have been in nineteen eighty had their own 85? yeah how old were you in nineteen
2: eighty five uh eighty five I was sixteen holy moly wow so
1: Man, was, your, uh, your
2: parents are cool,
1: unless you snuck out.
2: Well, that's <laughs> a long story. That's a long story, too. See, by this point, I was already, I was already, most of my life was spent over at Sean Nation's house. So at that point, his mom was raising me. So, <laughs> um, but that's, it was, the it was sold out and that it was just incredible to me that, you know, show with bands this heavy would just, would sell out. And it was just a good time. It's, i had never been to a show prior to that where there was a lot of moshing. It just, I just had never been to one before. And just to see that and people, you know, beating the crap out of each other and then scooping each other up when they fell. uh, I just, that was just amazing to me. Um, That whole scene. And from that point on, that's, that was my dedication was that
0: yeah my uh beautiful one of my lifelong very 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 best friends as you may know is Al Kelly who was the Mm -hmm. bass player in Morbid Termination and I I remember uh he always says that um you know some of those early shows were uh some of his biggest shows too of course because at that time he's a teenager you know and he's know, sharing stages with Watchtower, Juggernaut, playing the cameo theater or whatnot. And uh for a kid growing up in San Antonio, like you said, a metal metal city, metal capital of the world, if you're in a metal band, that's where you want to be, you know. So yeah. that was his sort of introduction and you were in the audience that night. That's that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, um, you, women and children first, uh that must have been an amazing tour because I had never saw Van Halen with Roth until the reunion stuff. So right. what do you remember about that show? How old were you at that time and what do you remember about that first arena concert experience?
2: I was 12 maybe 11 12. It was I had been bugging my parents like I want to go to a concert, want to go to a concert. Um, and the answer, you know, obviously at that age was like no, there's just no way, you know, they they do drugs there. Um so <laughs> um uh, we had some you know some friends of the family my parents hung out with a relatively large group football crowd so they got together every sunday so i grew up with their children um and finally uh there was a brother and sister who were a few years older than me that finally convinced their parents to convince my parents to let me go so they're the ones that took me i didn't go like you know the with, tag my parents. I went with them yeah You're the tag yeah uh, so it was it was It was eye-opening in many many ways (laughs) yeah um but it was you know i of course it was my first show so just to see the spectacle especially you know with david Lee roth and you know his antics and it was it was huge i mean to the point where i went to you know the next tour was diver down and went to diver down and um so saw them on a few occasions but uh, that was my first that was my first show that's my first concert
0: so you, you mentioned uh, Sean Nations, who is a, a friend mm-hmm. of all of ours. Uh, Sean, for people listening or watching, uh, Sean Nations is a metal singer out of San Antonio, and he fronted a band called Alienation that uh, had quite a bit of traction back in, I guess, the late 80s, early 90s.
2: Early 90s, Yeah.
0: Yeah. So at what point did, and and you and Sean basically became running buddies. I mean, you guys basically are inseparable. So at what point, at what age and where did you meet him? And what was your first, you know, musical experience together that sort of bonded you and and kept you together to this day?
2: We have actually known each other for going on 46 years. Wow. Wow. we met when we were young and we went to the same school. Uh, he lived uh, about two blocks from me uh, where we grew up. So that's, you know, we met at school and uh, pretty much inseparable from that point on. We had another friend that, so there was three of us, uh, that until that other individual joined the army, we were, again, we were always together. Um, the Unholy Book Show that I mentioned earlier was the show, our first show that we had gone to like that um sean went to a lot more shows than i did his mom was a lot more understanding of that so she would take them she took them to go see judas priest and you know a bunch of other shows um the rocker but mom it was, the rocker mom yeah definitely yeah. well she you know she owned bars at the time she was yeah. so ah, okay yeah it was it was a different world <laughs> yeah.
0: okay she, ended um, up, uh, she owned an open medieval nights didn't she yeah yeah wow. yeah So go ahead and continue. I'm sorry.
2: Oh, oh, no problem. So that's, you know, since that, that age, you know, we we've always been together. It was a short time when he was living in England uh, and came back and I think he was gone for two years and he came back and it was like, like we hadn't even been separated at all. So, um, so yeah, he's been, he's been my, uh, my running buddy for, you know, Almost half a century.
1: <laughs> Let's talk about Joe Anthony. Let's it's The elephant in the room when you talk about San Antonio and it being the heavy metal capital of the world and 99.5 Kiss and all of the boundaries that that sort of broke. Maybe that's not a good analogy, but you know what I mean. Bring the yeah. community of some sort together via... Just new releases from these bands globally uh, in uh, in the biggest little city, the littlest biggest city in the world, San Antonio, kind of a thing, where this radio station and in one, if not the only, Joe uh, Joe Anthony, literally broke bands in Texas by playing their songs on the radio to just kind of pump up Joe Anthony, who's kind of a, a living legend even in his time and even to this day, we're still talking about him. He's been gone for many years. What was, was there, is, are the rumors true that you and Sean would end up down at the station hanging out sometimes? Tell us a little bit about that. We did. For, for, Um, check check it out. Just, just like a fly on the wall for even people like Southsiders in San Antonio would be like, what? Y'all used to go (laughs) hang out? Joe Anthony in concert? You guys were there? You know, tell us a little bit about what
0: that, what's going on. and for people listening that don't know, I, I just want to add a little more context. Joe yeah. Anthony was a huge, huge, huge legendary DJ based out of San Antonio. And if you ask the members of Rush, Triumph, Scorpions, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, they will all say that Joe Anthony had a hand in making them Saxon, in North America. Yeah, the list goes tri- on and on and Riot, on. Triumph, so he's a massively Triumph. legendary, highly influential DJ. So take it from there, Juan. You're busting into his studio while he's on air. Is that right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, <laughs> um, so Sean's mom uh knew Joe Anthony for a, Oh back from high school. So that's how that happened. Got so okay. Um, you know, and Joe owned a restaurant. So when bands would come in town, and that's of course where they would where they would go eat while they were in town, so on occasion we would go and go have dinner with you know, all these bands coming through and wow. you know triumph and it was so that's that's how we grew up now as we got a little bit older started driving uh, we would go down to the station and hang out uh, especially if he had guests um there, there was a Rob Halford was in town promoting uh that live concert movie they had done um so Joe had, you know it invited us down so we went down hung out the entire night in the studio just you know, me, Sean, Joe Anthony, and Bob Alford, just wow. hanging out. Um, but that that happened on on a couple of occasions uh, where we would just hang out with them. Um, and it's so it's you know I, I know people that have always asked me, especially with you know a couple of other endeavors that I've done, have asked me, you know, do you have pictures? Or I'm like, no, that would have been weird. I, you know, it's not like today's world where we're taking selfies of everything. Um, it was so normal for us that why would we have taken a picture? It's, you know it just yeah. it was it was the norm. So yeah. um, we met a lot of people uh, through through Joe, um, and he was just his attitude towards music was just infectious. He he loved everything, um, and the ones that he really liked, he did everything in his power to ensure that other people got to listen to them as well. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, what, so it's, it's, I don't, I don't, I see from a different perspective that a lot of people do yeah. um, because it was, that was normal. <laughs> that was normal well, for it, us.
1: It's, it's insightful. <laughs> it's, it's your, the story of just use even telling, you know, why do you have any pictures? And you, your, your comment and you're the way you're expressing how like, that wouldn't be right because we're just people and we're just, that's like not the way people really think now. So it's really cool to just hear you as a young, you were very young back then. Yeah. What year would you say some of these, you know, Dinner with Triumph and hanging out on, on air with Rob Halford on Joe's show you know what we were how, i mean we were
2: teenagers we had yeah. driven down to the station so i figured at that point we i was probably 17 16 yeah. uh we had to uh Rob arranged it so that cuz the screening for that movie was at sneakers which was a you know of course the, the big rock club in san antonio at the time um so he had to arrange it so we could actually get in because it was a bar so nice. yeah we were 16 maybe 17 if even that at that That's time the old
1: the old sneakers yeah the old sneakers yeah, yeah. what yeah. what concert movie are
2: you speaking of it was the um there was a live judas priest concert movie um i think it was just called priest live if i'm yeah. not mistaken i think okay. it's
0: the i think it's the video accompaniment to the live album that priest they put live. out yeah, the, it's okay. the gold cover with yep. the the,
2: cop, the copper cover. Yeah. Okay, yeah. just to be yeah. just
1: to be certain, I didn't know that that was it in theaters.
2: I think it was, but I think the screening here in San Antonio, and you know, of course, they chose San Antonio for the initial screening yeah. of it because of Joe Anthony.
1: Yeah, of course, but in uh, probably but, certain certain markets. I'm sorry, um I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm I'm ignorant to the fact that that was actually something that. Priest and their management and their label were actually promoting in 1980
2: yeah it was it was, 80, it was definitely something new and unusual I mean you had concert footage from and movies Woodstock for example but yeah. nothing of the heavier nature I just right. didn't yeah that's not something that was normal at the time
0: yeah a couple of my friends uh, won tickets to that screening um, and they they were huge Judas Priest fans, especially the one guy, Jim O'Flynn. Uh, the other guy was named Shane Garwood, and to this day, Jim O'Flynn is a is a is a priest fanatic, and I mean that in all caps. And uh, I knew they won tickets, and they were going they were going to get to go to Sneakers to see the screening, and I assumed that there was a chance they would meet Rob Halford, so I sent them with my vinyl copy of. Uh, Unleashed in the East, and Rob signed it for me, and it's hanging over here in my in in this. That room is just,
2: which, that is awesome. Related
1: yeah. to Juan's story, you have like a just like six degrees of separation. You actually wow, okay, it's
0: it's hanging right up there between Saxon's Power and the Glory and Iron Maiden's Number of the Beast, and love I it, could tell Rob signed it upside down, so you can envision the cover of uh, Unleashed in the East where he's standing there with the mics and. And I imagine he was just surrounded by people because it's a bar. And, and, some, yeah. and one of my buddies handed him the record, and he probably just took it upside down and signed and his cool. name. Signed it. But Who it's good enough cares? for me. It's, good enough. Oh, no, yeah. It's from autograph, it's and it's hanging up. Yeah. Years later, I got Ian Hill to sign it as well. So Fantastic. Well, that's awesome. Up, upside yeah. down? upside down no ian ian had, the, ben- <laughs> ian oh, had the benefit of uh of uh me handing it to him in a much smaller audience <laughs> right. Right. so juan you talk about um your your friendship with sean is obviously enduring and everlasting and has been going on for four plus decades now we know Sean from... Uh... I was
1: going to say, we, we know Sean and we love Sean. And, and Sean's like a staple just as much as you are. Um, I, I've i always been impressed with, with you y- and you as well. But you and Sean, I- inseparable again, uh, we're always had the right energy. You were always at the right... I felt like uh, a good place for a good time right? In the right yeah, well, place, absolutely. in the right place at the right time. And it always had to do with the rock and roll. If, if I showed up and you guys were there, th- I knew I was in the right place. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so, I, would,
2: I, I would look at it from the opposite point. of you shit, Jason's here. So it's gotta be the right place to be.
1: Well, yeah. I'm, thank you for that. But I felt uh, the feeling is mutual. I, I, f- I feel like that was uh, that was a good, that was a good sign. Oh, good. Thank God, Sean and Blondie. No, but so,
0: so what I was was getting at is, I thought it was going to be a puppet show. Now I know it's going to be for real. (laughs) So, you know, uh, we know, I, I got to meet Sean as being a singer and a performer. And from there we became friends. Um, and he ran in the same circle of friends as me and my buddies and all that stuff. So, my question is did did you ever have any uh musical aspirations did you ever play any bands do you play any instruments are you a musician at all in any way
2: our in fact the first band that i was in it was sean was a singer in the first band that i was in um, okay it was funny we were as i was i'm still working on my office here so i've got just boxes and boxes of just stuff that was put away over the years. Uh, so last week, week and a half ago, I came across some of the old tapes that we had recorded. Um, and oh yeah, it was, <laughs> yep. uh, you know, laughter, tears, <laughs> a little bit yeah. of everything, you know, just listening to that stuff.
0: So what was uh, the, what was the band called? And what instrument do you, did you play?
2: Uh, so the band's name was nation's rain. Um, okay. God, he's going to kill me for talking about this. Um, <laughs> And so I played guitar. Um, okay. So and it was you know it was short lived. It you know we he moved on and I started doing other things. Um, still dabble with it every once in a while. Um, well, uh, you, a couple you, weeks ago I you got. You love rock and roll, shot, so it's
1: it's always going to oh, be yeah. there. You love rock and roll, so
2: and a few weeks ago Sean approached me about uh working with uh, one of his bands uh killswitch incorporated so i am now actually an official member of killswitch incorporated so oh, oh
1: you heard it here hey. first on the talk louder podcast wow so
2: yeah that was and that was you know i'd again i you know i've got a lot of stuff going on but that was the one band that the opportunity ever came up that i would definitely jump at it so sweet so yeah
0: <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, Killswitch Incorporated uh has a, has for a years had a buzz around San Antonio, one of the bigger metal bands on the local scene there in in San Antonio. So, congrats. Let's let's
1: let's dig into um the elephant in the room, the one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on here is you have created uh our our little our little I'll just uh, I'm being humble here our little scene you have you've our molehill you've made it into a mountain Juan you really kind of took what um, you've become an archivist of, of sorts um, and along with other uh, archi archivists you have. Uh, And I I don't think it was like overnight. I think it was it took you a long while to create um, something that I. When did you first come up with it? And this is sort of your like uh, your title is as viewed from the pit is your sort of brand, isn't it? As viewed from the pit. Well, hold on, got Twinkies. Uh, (laughs) Got to do that. Got to do that. Who's that? Who's that? guy on the cover who's that guy with the nice ass
2: (laughs) i don't know sexy blonde guy yeah whatever happened
1: to him i don't know man he's probably dead so as viewed from the pit your collection of of just like uh, I'll, i'll i'll go ahead and say it useless rock and roll memorabilia uh relationships with photographers and videographers and uh uh, mag- mag- fanzine editors and and writers and creators and all of the things that you would look. Ooh, I love this flyer. And then you you put it you put it away. And then yeah. you know, thirty years later, you pull it darn. You know, and you decide to come up with. Uh, well, as viewed from the pit, I think that is something that you've had going on for a while, whether it be an email address, a website, or something. When did you first come up with As Viewed from the Pit, which sounds like a fanzine, a cool, like, 80s metal fanzine. Tell us a little bit about how you feel about that.
2: Well, as far as the name, um, I was, you know, I had tossed around a couple of ideas, and, you know, I went to a couple people that that were in the scene, have been in the scene, are still in the scene, that I talked to pretty regularly and was getting opinions. Um, so... Um, honestly everybody hated the name <laughs> well, yeah. i was the only one i was i was like i was adamant and this is gonna be the name and you know everybody was making very valid points and I was like nope that's the name I'm gonna keep it um but, and, but hold, on the, but hold on the name of what As of when i started it. working on the book when i started the,
1: bu- the book okay yeah, this the this actual book, book is what we're talking about right. okay let's pretend so, yeah yeah keep i'm sorry keep going
2: so that's, you know, that's where that came from. The title came when I had the idea to start working on the book. I was dabbling before the book. I was thinking about jumping back in to the periodical uh, entertainment, periodical business. I'd run a couple of regional, local and regional magazines, music magazines, entertainment magazines, newspapers. Okay. Um, so I was thinking about jumping back in. Um and kind of weighing things out, kind of getting the, you know feelers out. I hadn't done it in quite some time, um, and then the event at TexPop happened. So mm-hmm. that was the catalyst for the book. Um,
0: tell, tell tell people what that is.
2: Okay, so um, TexPop is a it's a, a museum of Texas South Texas popular culture. Uh, so they showcase you know local and regional. Artists, musicians, a little bit of everything. Um, they have different events. So there was an event that uh, that had all the it was dealing with all the the early metal stuff from the eighties. Um, and so everybody was getting back together. Where you know everybody's looking at the pictures and you know listening to the to the music and just looking at all the flyers and just all the memorabilia that people had kept over the years that were displayed. Uh, Ruby did an amazing job putting that together and having everybody together people. I didn't talk, you know, that I know that we, you know, we talk, but we didn't get to hang out in you know, our daily lives as getting to be adults. We all kind of go our different ways. Dude, um, I don't,
1: I don't, I, I, I think some people have pictures of them. There's probably some pictures online. I don't know if you have any photos of the event at text pop, but there was like a militia wall. There was a Hellstar wall. Yeah. There was a San Antonio Slayer wall. There was a juggernaut wall. There was a, uh, I, yes, <laughs> it was. Yeah, a- it was,
2: it was, it was amazing. Uh, yeah. I mean, and the, it was just amazing to see all that and to see, and it was cool seeing all that stuff and, you know, getting those memories, but having everybody there and, you know, People that I always looked up to, um, you know, bands that I listened to that were there, people that I know, friends that just went to shows and having everybody there again. And that's that's what really I was like, yeah, "Yeah, I want to do a magazine again, but I want something more permanent. I want you know, I want Mm. I want people who don't know or who weren't there to feel what I felt back when I was going to shows and what I feel right now. So Um,
1: we're we're you know, me and Dave held up this really awesome glossy coffee table style book that is called uh for those of you who just don't really know what what it is we're actually sort of like worshiping right now uh Juan our guest today has done this really excellent uh job that was quite an undertaking of putting together a a photo memory book type of a thing called As Viewed from the Pit, uh, Photos from the South Texas Metal Scene from 1978 to 1989. Now, I learned a lot about Texas music, uh, hard rock and heavy metal music, Um, and there's a lot of stuff in here that I did not know about. So I I wanted, and maybe it's just me, I almost wanted there to be even more uh, quotes and verbiage and description mm-hmm. of, of some of the the bands that I didn't know about because I was just like, what? I didn't know. And so-and-so was in that band. It was like this web of uh, San Antonio and or, and or, you know, putting it all together. But this book has a sleeve in the back that has old flyers and ticket yeah. stubs, and I just never take this stuff out. I just leave it in there. It's like, oh, man, I can't, I can't take that out, right? It's, yeah.
0: That's like, uh, it's like like you know, taking the kiss doll out of the box. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> you, you just don't do it. it. You don't yeah. do it.
1: So this this talks about. I mean, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm completely honored that you chose to put my butt on the front cover, <laughs> and there was no like deals made on the golf course or payola or you know, what do I get? You're going to have to pay me if you want to use my, my, you know, my back ass. Uh, but <laughs> the photo really says a lot about what's going on here. Not just because there's this s- silly person wearing spandex uh, on the front, but there, there are these maniacs yeah. and it's yeah sold out cameo theater there's probably seven or eight hundred people in the room for bands that no one else in the world may be at the time or the world was just beginning to hear about at this time or had only you know heard about it uh at that moment the 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 Watchtower record wasn't quite out yet Slayer Prepare to Die was, Wizard Knights of Metal was out. There were things happening in San Antonio that Watchtower, that was like a coveted thing. He's like, yeah, we got a demo. And the next thing to move forward with is your EP or your record or your, you know, and that seemed to be. uh, We had a guest, Rodney Dunsmore, who says a lot of the new wave of British heavy metal stuff that was happening from mid to late 70s in the UK and, and just the British Isles, England uh Were they didn't put out demos they put out seven inches they would they would write a handful of songs and they would put out a, a record and I, I i never even realized that that was like oh i guess that's right you don't really find a cassette of yeah you know deaf leopard they no they put it on wax you know cassettes were like this expensive thing you know it was actually cheaper probably to put out a couple songs on anyway so that was sort sort of a play in things, but if you look at the the faces and the eyes of these these people, and I'm making the same face back at them, you know <laughs> what I mean. And so there's something to say about about that, and and uh, and the reasons why why. So the Tex Pop event with uh, like Cyrus, um, I got up with uh, you know. Like there was a version of the, uh, you know, S.A. slayer and militia and you know, and I got and, and that night was pretty incredible, but let's talk about the uh, the work you have really the sweat and blood you put and love and heart that you've put into this book, and what from the time that that text pop event happened where it was like a kind of a who's who i mean jack orban was there yeah that's huge he's the reason uh, i mean my first concert was ufo and rush stone city attractions Mike drop yeah. that's jack yeah. orban he brought yeah. all those bands joe anthony's playing them jack orban's bringing them bringing to town them.
2: Yeah. yeah 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 so
1: so you you decide i'm gonna make this coffee table book did you know what kind of hell you were going to go through <laughs>
2: um I, I i didn't know i really and it didn't matter at the time i thought well you know what i know enough i know uh, enough people that i can get what i need um and I quickly learned that i was absolutely wrong <laughs> um um over the years and I think, you know as you, you move you get older stuff disappears you lose stuff so i figured it's going to be easy everybody's got tons of stuff and it turned out very quickly i learned that that is absolutely not accurate that most people don't keep stuff they don't keep pictures um there was a handful literally a handful of, of photographers that actually shot pictures at that time that weren't on a little instamatic um that had pictures of you know any quality or that they kept yeah. um, so that was tracking down uh, individuals photographers to get those pictures because a lot of the guys in the bands just didn't have them they just you know over the years that they either went away or they never had them in the first place um, so that was the hard part you know I planned this I wanted to do this huge coffee table book with all these photos and i have no photos <laughs> so the, the first so,
1: name the first name that comes to mind is obviously Liliana. yeah Liliana martinez um, was at every hard rock heavy metal show i think that she was shooting for full tilt boogie or maybe yeah full, tilt, yeah. For full tilt boogie which was uh, like a like a a newspaper leaflet kind of a thing yeah that week, picked up weekly at the, newspaper yeah 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 there was mainly an entertainment rag, sort of similar to the Austin Chronicle, but a San Antonio version of something like that. Tell us a little bit about you now Liliana has been gone from the earth for a while now yeah what, it's been a long were time. You, were you in touch with Bear, her brother? were you in touch yeah. with her family to try to try to find some of her backlog of photographs?
2: It was her brother uh that yeah. um I reached out to through you know several people to to introduce me uh, because that was the other stumbling block that I had that while I knew some people, I didn't know everybody. Uh, There was, you know, as, as one does, there's particular bands that, you know, I would go and see every time they were, you know, they were playing. And there were others that I would catch every once in a while, but we weren't buddies. We weren't friends. We weren't acquaintances. There were bands that I went to go listen to. And that was where that relationship stopped. So the first obstacle in trying to find photographs was nobody knew who I was. So as far as they were concerned, I was just some guy asking them for a bunch of pictures. Um, so that's, you know, getting introduced to her brother and, and it took a little while and I don't blame him. Um, yeah. you know, he, he, didn't know who I was. And I'm asking him for, you know, his sister who's passed away for, you know, her worldly possessions. Yeah.
0: And true.
2: so that, that took a while to, you know, I spoke with them multiple times and, um, I had several people that kind of jumped in and spoke for me, uh, which I, I wouldn't have gotten the photos I got without their help. Um, so, well, that's not your,
1: that's not your fault. They needed to, to, to vet you. They needed to understand
2: no, what yeah, did, no, I, yeah. What I it completely is you were, mean. what it
1: is, yeah, what it is you were trying to, trying to do. But, but I'm, as soon as someone, you know, goes, Hey, this guy, da, 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 at that point, floodgates should have opened.
2: And it, it did. I mean, between, well, let's be honest, between you and Mike Solis, those were the biggies. Those were, as, as once y'all spoke yeah. up, uh, I couldn't have done the book without y'all.
1: Like, well i don't, i don't feel without like a doubt. i don't honest well thank you for that but i feel like you i mean i had, there's no agenda here i'm not trying to you know oh i'm not going to be in your book if i don't help. it was no this is about preservation of something that we all belong to
2: yeah and that's it's what it that's is that's what and and i wanted
1: you, to do you're championing you're championing our championing our uh our livelihoods and our youth and 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 the reason that you know, people pay $5,000 for, you know, records we put out when we were 17 and 18 years old. It's crazy. So here's the deal. So it was fairly easy for me to call Jeff Tweedy. That's another big one. And for Mike to reach out to Janie Gomez and, or both of us to reach out to either Janie Gomez or Jeff Tweedy between those three, I feel like you got a lot, but dude, there's so much more than that going on within the pages and um i don't have, have specific questions to that but you know like i was talking about the late set the bands in the late 70s um you know the only i mean this was after this was early 80s the liquid sky uh you know the history there with how it spawned into the metal thing and the djs that were playing uh the yeah. homegrown record the san antonio yeah. 995 kiss homegrown
0: record with all those great musicians on it contributing um, so, yeah, was, so, so when you're when you're rummaging through all these archives that people are giving you access to, or that you're managing to find on your own or whatever, which one or two things stands out to you as like, oh my god, like you uncovered a treasure? Was there a, anything like a photo or a flyer that was just, you know, uh, so monumental you were like, oh, this is this makes it complete.
2: There was actually a lot. There was a lot, and you know, thank thankfully for for Rodney Dunsmore. Um, he's got stuff, and, and that man keeps everything he touches.
1: Yeah, uh, and I'm so yeah. glad that he does. We know
2: because he did has you, stuff that. Did you see his episode yet? Have yeah, you I did. I yet? watched it. Of course, I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he he had stuff just tucked away that you know that is just amazing. He's got like the original san antonio slayer the actual slayer cutouts that were on ronnie's amp he has those oh wow he's got handmade devastation dolls some fan made devastation uh, dolls of the entire band yeah and just stuff like that that just no one else would have they're one-offs they're one-of-a-kinds that you would never see anywhere else and um So I was very lucky. And again, Rodney was somebody that I had seen at shows, but I didn't know him. He didn't know me Um, that luckily through common acquaintances that um, we I was able to get a lot of what I got from him. Um, And he was invaluable. But tickets, you know, ticket steps from the Slayer versus Slayer show. Uh, I have it took me that was one of the last additions to the book because i could not find it took almost three years of looking for a stub and no one had one wow i finally a ticket, found a, one a
0: ticket stub who, who had it who had the one
2: uh i got it from uh, an individual who had it for sale for a long time i found an old post i went way back machine uh looking for old websites and i found somebody who had it for sale so it took um, almost three months to track down that individual to see if he had any photos so that's what that took but i i that's what i wanted i wanted that's i wanted one of those things because so that was such a huge monumental show yeah that I, and but one that i could find and i i looked everywhere well, <laughs> to the, the via, to that show.
1: in my eyes the via fontana was like a a ground zero. Oh yeah absolutely for for a lot for a lot of things in San Antonio but i'm sure but uh you know i'm sure people probably lost their virginity there whatever <laughs> i mean it, it's in the heart of of, of downtown san antonio and it, it's dust now it's no longer yeah. there so the yeah. things that people say at via fontana what the hell is that oh well if you if you if you worship heavy metal you need to know about the via fontana and the legend of you know yeah um i think that you know, go back to the Slayer versus Slayer. Everybody is going to be able to figure that out just by what, you know, the phrase. But for some reason, it's only certain circles that that seems to be a big deal. And I feel like it's legendary mainly in this, this market, you know, in, the, in certain circles around here. I feel like people maybe in Europe who love both Slayers, you know, and that once upon a time there was these two bands called Slayer and da-da-da, and then maybe they don't even know the backstory. I mean, San Antonio Slayer had already disbanded, and it was uh, Omni Productions that called Don Van Staverner or whatever and said, hey, why don't you get the band back together so we can do a Slayer on Slayer, and he was not joking, and... And they did it, and now there's this big hoopla, and here you are looking for a ticket stub for your book just oh, yeah. so we can have this uh, window in time. And Juan, thank you so much for make, creating this window in time. Um, yeah. are, th- are there any more of these available just right that now? Was,
0: I was going to ask that. Yeah. Number one, how many oh. copies did you, did you, you produce? And number two, I, is it available still?
2: I, I self-published it. Um, I had reached out, but again to, to several publishers, but again, I had no published work before. I did you know magazine and newspaper stuff but no books um, and I only reached out to a couple and I either received no response or you know well, we'll see. Um, and it didn't dissuade me because I was gonna do it regardless. <laughs> sure. uh, so I self-published uh, I only printed 125 copies uh the the day it was released i was already sold out so uh for the actual release party by the time i hit that release party i was already sold out i had oh, none wow. to spare um looked at doing a second print uh and was approached by a lot of people especially overseas uh guys that, that y'all know um you know common acquaintances um but the shipping because that book is kind of heavy
1: it is Uh, the
2: shipping was just astronomical yeah so it it just it wasn't gonna work out i had a lot of people interested but it was just too expensive to ship it overseas yeah um so i thought about a second print and it just i didn't have enough orders to warrant doing it locally um
1: well you're at least you're trying to be smart about it i mean i know people that are frivolous when it comes to stuff like that. And I think that, you know, you were being smart about, you know, you don't want to live with a storage unit full of these books that you just couldn't sell. I mean, I don't think that that would ever be the case. (laughs) I feel like you're, you're just being smart about it by, I
2: just, I, you know, I had to make sure I covered, I I, I wanted to make sure I covered my costs, which I did. I, you know, I was able to, I had, you know, my stuff set aside that I needed to, I had, I had, individuals that i needed to take care of um that had helped me so much with the book um and i covered my costs um really wanted to do the second second one and it just it never it never quite worked out um not yet, not yet. <laughs> well okay so uh, i was holding off on this information uh oh. until today um i scratched it the age. second print is is going live the day that this episode goes live. Wow. Uh, So we are doing a second print run. Okay. Um, We are adding eight pages. Um, And I say we, because I couldn't have done this without everybody who helped. (laughs) Um, But we're adding eight pages. Um, I didn't want to go overboard because since the, since the time the book has come out now, I've gotten inundated with stuff because now everybody's like, Oh, well, shit he was serious um so now i've got a lot of material but they thought they, uh, but thought, I you didn't were,
1: wanna, they thought you were just fucking around the first time and then when it I, came I, on, I, oh. I don't know
2: i mean I, and I mean, again it was uh, yeah that guy moved. that
1: called me yeah that's never gonna happen oh shit <laughs> yep
2: so and that's okay um but you know i i wrestled a lot with what to add and how much to add and i didn't want to go overboard because i never want to put somebody in a position where like, well, shit, now I have to buy another copy or I I didn't want that at all. I didn't want anybody to think that it was a money grab or anything like that. Um, there was things I wanted to fix in the book. Um, things have happened since that point, since the book came out that, um, I, I feel need to be shown. Um, there it was
1: interest, interesting. So you're, you're seeing things that have transpired that are relevant
2: to the project yes like, and one of them is yeah we san Antonio city hall has been under renovations for several years um when they decided to redo city hall they opted to have murals painted on each floor of city hall so they ran this huge, huge thing uh with sanitary artists to find five artists to do a mural on each floor um one of the, the, and the theme was, you know, locations. So, you know, we had a lot of artists that were submitting, you know, of course, the missions or, you know, Tower of America's, you know, it's very specific, you know, iconic locations in San Antonio. Yeah. Well, one of the artists didn't, he approached it a little bit differently. So what he did was iconic locations, but having to do with music. So the landing in San Antonio, you know, the, you know, the jazz and, uh, the black spot uh, where there was a lot of soul music done uh, early in the in the 50s um, So he had he was one of the ones that was chosen he reached out to me because he knew the history of heavier music and, and heavy metal in San Antonio, but had no knowledge base at all mm-hmm. so he had talked to a couple people he was referred to me so we sat. And we talked and we poured over thousands and and not an exaggeration thousands of photos uh before he found what he was looking for um did the artwork so that's something i want to include in there because in city hall on the fourth floor uh is a triptych of san antonio music so there is a piece of wicked angel playing in southwest high school gym uh, which was a thing apparently it wasn't a thing everywhere but (laughs) it was a thing in texas Yeah, Uh, You know, metal bands playing at a gym during school hours. Um,
1: I saw saw a metal band in like 1979, the year before I moved to Austin. Uh, It was a band, they they just did a bunch of Black Sabbath covers. They may have had some, uh, you know, some originals. I don't remember that. I just remember the songs that I recognize and they were current Black Sabbath songs, songs off of... You know, Volume Four, all the way to Never Say Die, and that band was called Spectre, and the drummer, Steve Mendez. I'm in bands with him now. Lives in Austin.
2: That's a, crazy, that, I mean, That's just amazing. Crazy. Well, I mean, I know
1: sort of synchronicity.
2: You and Mike, you know, in the you know band uh, things you've done in the past. Y'all played in high school in high school as well. So yeah, uh, yeah. that was just a thing here. Um, yeah, and then the another part of the triptych was steve cooper uh from the slayer versus slayer show good choice Uh, um and then the last one which was one i kind of pushed for because to me it really exemplified what the scene meant to me and it's the picture that's on the back of the book um it is um it's got Three different bands on the back of that cover, okay, it's all pictures. on stage together. Me wearing underwear and, on my head? He's going to paint a picture I, I thought, of me yeah, wearing, wearing you wearing underwear? Taking, yeah. <laughs> but, and so.
1: It's a visor. Just, it's a visor. It's not underwear. It's a visor. Yeah. Someone threw a hat up there and I put. What I
0: like is the. Uh,
1: no,
2: no, we believe you, really.
0: The hair, the hairbrush. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't know what's worse, a visor or a underwear. Just,
1: I'm wearing suspenders, a visor with a hairbrush in my back pocket. Rock <laughs> on, dude. Like dazed and confused, bro. All right. All right. All right. Heavy metal, man. All
2: right. Yeah, all that's right. It, that says heavy metal to me. So, Ooh, yeah. Um, so that triptych Funny. is now hanging in city hall and will always be in city hall. Um, amazing, wow, so, dude. For, for a fair. government agency that fought so hard to keep heavy metal out of the city for years, uh, to have this hanging in City Hall, that's a huge, huge deal. Um, I agree 100%. Just the recognition that it's part of the history and it's an important part of the history. So I definitely want to that's something that's going to be included because it's it's important um let's, get,
1: let's can it, we get can we give props to the person that that came up with this idea and then through you and the artist vision and everything who who are we whose name do we need to say right here his, in sort of
2: his name is Raul Gonzalez um after uh, this was done he's actually the um san antonio artist on staff now so He's actually – every year San Antonio picks a particular artist, and for a year, they're the official artists of San Antonio. Ooh, wow. Um, and he is it now. Um, wow. So he's he's an Ooh, what, amazing what about, artist.
1: What about let's go higher up to – into like the powers that be that allowed this or had to vote on this idea of of these five different floors of city hall Ooh. having Ooh. these
0: – Which city councilman do we need to vote for? Yes. Who
1: is <laughs> –
2: who are we voting actually, for next year? Yeah. It, if it was actually the uh, arts department that mm-hmm. kind of pushed for it. Yeah. Um the individual that I dealt with with Raul her name is her name is Crystal. Uh, I only spoke with her a handful of times. Uh, but she again had no foreknowledge of of the heavy or actually any of them. She wasn't familiar with um, you know, the jazz stuff that is portrayed in another triptych or the conjunto stuff. Yeah. But she understood that it was that was something that San Antonio was known for was music. Yeah. Um, cool. So that's Culture. why she backed them.
1: Music is the cultural blood of San Antonio and yeah. all kinds of music. San Antonio is a party.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a part and there's always good music in the background. That's right. There's always music. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's that's what I was going to say, uh, uh, Juan. Is that you know, number one, San Antonio, the history and the culture of San Antonio is rich in music, regardless of genre, um, and we all know as metal fans and rock and roll fans that uh, hard rock and heavy metal is an integral part of that makeup of 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 music um but a lot of times that music gets marginalized or diminished or whatever but i think it speaks well of the city of san antonio and of yourself to there's people out there that recognize that you know what this might not be my favorite topic this might not be the kind of music i listen to at my house but to ignore it is just criminal because it is part of the fabric of san antonio And then you alluded to earlier, Europe, you know, there might be a market for your book in Europe. And I wouldn't be surprised if there is because the metal scene in in Texas and San Antonio still carries a lot of mystique in European circles, like Watchtower and Militia and and Juggernaut and S.A. Slayer. They have fans in in Germany and Europe and stuff. So... To ignore it is is ignorant, and so I applaud the people that do accept it and embrace it and and choose to portray it and promote it because I know it's not everybody's flavor, but it put San Antonio on the map in a lot
2: of ways. Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. Let's let's absolutely. let's relive exactly what Dave just said by this, and I know this firsthand because I met some of them, I housed some of them, and so did people in San Antonio. People came from from all over Europe and Greece to Texas and they went to all of the major cities that had bands that they had demos or even records from just so they could stand in the same light as those bands that they came to love and these were ban- these were not rock stars these were underground headbangers that wrote songs when they were in the garage in their mom's garage when they were in high school People from Europe and abroad have made pilgrimages. Is that a word? Yeah. To stand in the same light as these kids that just wrote some big, dumb heavy metal songs. But it changed. It, it shined a light globally. People have come to Texas. They've traveled to Houston to stand in the light of Hellstar. To Austin for Watchtower and Militia. To San Antonio for Slayer and Wizard and Juggernaut and beyond. That is huge. This book yeah. is part of it. The things yeah. that you have done and, and archived and championed and made phone call after phone call and stayed up all night putting things together and setting this up and making calls to the city hall and meeting artists and meeting photographers and da 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 da, da. Even though you only pressed 125, this is huge to people globally, not just two knuckleheads who have a podcast, and I'm, I'm just going to say it now <laughs> before Dave's parting words, but I'll just say it right now while I'm still kind of chatterboxing here. Thank you for doing that. And, and from the bottom of my heart, you know, there were a lot of people putting out these sort of collections, uh, their coffee table books. Uh, a big one is the Bay Area scene with murder in the front row, yeah, and everybody knows that because that, that scene there is a worldwide phenomenon for obvious reasons. And this came out, it, I went and saw the movie Murder in the Front Row, and Kirk Hammett, <clears throat> I'm getting choked up just talking about it. Kirk Hammett's crying in the movie while he says the same almost verbatim that I'm saying on the back, the, my quote on the back of the book. And I, yeah. I can't say it cause I'm about to, I'm about to cry. So, you know, it's thank you.
2: I absolutely, and it was, it was my pleasure and it's something that I wanted to do. I wanted to share what little I could to have somebody relive what I, you know, to be able to be there where I was and to experience it and to see it through my eyes. And, um, and people who were there to help them relive it, people who weren't there so they could at least get a glimpse of it because it was, yeah. it was a beautiful, wonderful thing. And, uh, I wanted to share that as much as I possibly could. Well,
1: it yeah. gave a bunch of punks something to do. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> well, I, I, I want to say too, that, uh, speaking for myself, uh, obviously I'm not a musician. I I'll never make my mark, uh, by putting out a record or playing a great concert or anything. Um, but i've always admired people that are still so passionate about the scene that they never maybe uh took that passion and turned it into a a band situation or a musician situation but they felt so that there there was still this need to contribute in some way or some form and you know i got into the journalism field because i knew i was never going to be the guy on stage so but i wanted to have a hand in the scene so i was going to like okay write about bands you 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 are a musician um but you you also felt so passionate about this scene that you put your money and blood and sweat and tears and time into this book that is it's amazing the quality of it is fantastic and um i love the fact that you're considering or you are putting out a second edition and going back to something jason just said you know, there's 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 metal scenes all over the world. Some of them get more recognized than others. Obviously, the Bay Area scene uh, out in California, uh, the European scene, uh, the New York scene. But I think there's something special about the Texas metal scene that it, it's almost like the underdog scene. Like because none of those bands quite made it to, you know, the Testament level, the Slayer level, the Metallica level or whatever – that the fans that love that kind of music gravitate towards it. And you've managed to capture that scene in this book. And I think it's like a real prize and treasure for anybody that loves metal, that wants a, you know, an introductory to the Texas metal scene because I think you did a great job of capturing it. Thank you. And you did a quality job. That's really important too because, you know, somebody could have put out a fanzine that would have maybe captured the essence of what we're talking about, but you put out something that's enduring and lasting and high quality. And I congratulate you on that because anybody that uh, has a passion for metal and takes it to the next step and produces something that's lasting you made your mark man so thank you for thank doing you. it
2: and, you know speaking of next steps um <laughs> so uh we are i've been working with an amazing uh filmmaker lynette alleman oh, cool. uh, who in her own right is just a fantastic producer director uh writer um filmmaker and um we had talked a lot about possibly doing a documentary um oh. and so uh, and i beg mo- borrowing a movie
1: know, version of the book maybe y- yes okay so
2: um you know back to it with begging and borrowing any videos that i can find po- from anywhere um i've got some footage some amazing footage that I don't know if a whole lot of people even realize that it's out there. Wow. Uh, that putting together, doing that, uh, working to try to start scheduling now that COVID has slowed down a bit. Um, and, you know, all of us are a little bit older. So it affects us a whole lot differently than others. Yeah. Uh, getting together with people and starting to do those interviews so we can start working on that as well. But that's going to be a companion documentary.
0: That is big so, news. You, that you is put really- down... Really you put big. down one chore and picked up another. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, with the new pressing and the the eight new pages, you're you're going to have a movie version of it. That sounds like more hell on the horizon.
2: You know, it's it's I don't think it's going to be as difficult again. Lynette is it's just my idea. I, it's, you know, hmm. Lynette is an amazing filmmaker, so I've full confidence that she will take my very narrow vision of what I want and just do wonders with it. And, um, you've got you know, a few, though, I, more,
1: I, few more weapons now than you do. Yeah.
2: And I, I want, you know, the, the book helped me express what I wanted to express and what I want yeah. people to see and live through. Um, now I have the, you know, opportunity to do that in, in spoken word. And, um, and it's real important that I'm able to do that and, and to have other people hear the stories from the horse's mouth, as it were. Um and so that's that is the next goal um is getting that taken care of as quickly as we can. Um and to to get that out so everybody can see it. So you know you could pop onto YouTube and or you know Amazon, whatever, wherever it ends up. I don't really yeah. I don't care. I as long as people get to see it. That's, yeah, and experience it and that's that's my goal.
1: Well, making sure that it's available on any platform will be, will be a goal that you can work towards once you wrap.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you, Juan, for, for everything you've done. I think that, uh, you archiving and, and putting out this, uh, this book as viewed from the pit is the book we, we talk about that's, uh, coming out a a second edition, bigger and better along with a companion Mm -hmm. as well. Um, I feel like uh, we, you know, the bands, as well as people in the audience and the promoters and we, just anyone who was there, um, that is a reason why this needs to be talked about. I feel like in Austin, something like this has not really happened yet. The documentary about the back room, I think, is a great start. Yeah, um, because it's kind of about the bands as much as it is about the venue. And I think that projects like that are really cool because there's a lot of people that are transplants to Texas who are into what we're into that oh. don't really know the history. And you're really kind of helping us tell the story and pass it on. So it's appreciated.
0: Yeah. So- yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm always a champion of the guys behind the scene because I'm one of them. I'm never. I'm not Jason. I don't get on. I'm not Jason. I don't get on stage. I don't make records. I wish I could, but I can't, and, or I don't, or whatever. So uh, I've always been. Uh, I always have respect for people that uh, are passionate about music in the same way I am, and then sort of don't just stop there, but take it to another level. In your case, you put out a book. In my case, I try to interview bands and 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 chronicle it in you know publications or whatever uh, we've had our friend sean weingartner our friend rodney dunsmore people like yes. these these are guys that are behind the scenes but they're i think they help make the engine run and you're one of those dudes so thank you for all your hard work i can't mm-hmm. imagine all the time and effort that went into putting out that book so uh best luck every minute of it. second round <laughs> Best of luck with the second round and with the movie that uh, that you're, you're that you're working on. And, and congratulations be- on the city hall thing. That's huge. Yeah, that is huge.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I,
0: that, yeah. absolutely. That meant a lot. So the movie,
1: the movie, the movie is the same as viewed from the pit. The movie. It will is have phenomenal. the same title. Yes, same title. This I nice. just want to make nice. sure. Is there a website that you have that people can contact you or submit materials for said movie or the new edition for the book?
2: Yes, uh, it'll just be uh, at view, as viewed from the pit.net. That's the website address okay. um, and they can go there and they can you know comment, they can reply back um, as you know again the, as of the airing of this episode it, that it will be live and up to do uh, the pre-sales for the second print and um you know as we move forward with the documentary it'll be updated on there as well yeah.
1: we'll save some copies for me and dave you've already made two, two sales today so.
0: yeah, absolutely yeah. i got i need the companion piece to go with this one yeah. and i'll need that one signed as well juan was kind enough to sign, autograph my my copy that i have here so
1: before dave takes us out juan one more time thank you so much for talking to us today
0: Yeah, man. Thank you. Been a pleasure. I am Metal Dave Glessner on behalf of my co-host Jason McMaster and our very special guest today, San Antonio metal archivist, metal fan, metal passionate, metal heart, Juan Herrera. (laughs) Thank you for joining us, man. It's been a pleasure catching up with you. And thank you all for listening to another episode of the Talk Louder Podcast.